the torciadores quietly rolled their cigars and the despaliadoras stripped the stems from the tobacco leaves. They were entertained, informed, and inspired by literature and the daily news. So began the tradition of El Lector, the reader. This is the El Lector podcast. Stories and cigars from the exiled South. Okay, welcome to the Elector podcast. Uh, this is a uh, special episode of Elector because we have, uh, it's, it's just me tonight, it's not Mark. Mark isn't here, Matt's not here, Victor's not here, but we have two repeat guests that we've had on the show before. One is Raquel. Hello. Welcome again, Raquel. Thank you. You were here on the show. Raquel, Raquel is my daughter, by the way. Yes. <laughs> and really happy to have you on. And we also have my cousin, Nelda. Hello. Hey, Nelda. This is your second time also. Yes. Yes. This is uh, a family night. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, um, and, and rightfully so, because this is kind of, uh, the, the topic tonight is, uh, has to do with family. Um, and we're going to, you know, I wanted to, this is going to be a longer form introduction. Uh, we, uh, we had a chance to sit down uh, recently with uh, the uh, writer and, dir- and, pr- and director or producer? Producer, I think it was. Producer. Sorry, Victoria, if, it's, uh, <laughs> if I gave you the wrong title. Vanessa Garcia and Victoria Collado, uh, they uh, have brought us uh, a play that's, that's uh, or an immersive theater experience that is uh that made an impact on us right very much so very yeah. much so yeah and it's called amparo this is a this is a, a, a theater experience that's happening it's been going on in miami now for a few months now uh i think we're right now we're in july and uh they've they've extended the dates i think we're hoping that they extend it again that they extend it again uh yeah definitely because this sh- this uh this show if you have not if you're in the dade county area or, or anywhere near Dade County, you should really go check it out. It's called The Amparo Experience, and it's brought to, you, brought to us by Bacardi and the Havana Club line of rums. And Havana Club is central to the story because uh, the Amparo uh, the Experience is basically the story of the Arrechavala family uh, who, uh, owner, who owned the Havana Club brand in Cuba. And it's basically their story of exile. And I don't want to give away too much on the show because I think it's better experienced in person. Um, I've gone twice already. I went first with Ceci, my wife, and and with Nelda. And I got to go recently with Raquel. Uh, we did two um, in in the experience. Uh, you can ha- in the show you can have different experiences every time you go. Uh, so we were able to do that. Each of us. I think now that you went a second time as well, right? Yes, yes, I did. Yeah. So uh, you you get a different story um, uh, each time you go, even though it's all talking about the same story. It's okay. We like hearing guzzling on the, <laughs> especially when it's rum. Uh, that was water. I hope that was water. <laughs> <laughs> that was a heavy pour. <laughs> Nelda, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Adding a little backdrop to it, yeah. 
That's a lot of rum. No, it was just water, folks. So, but but yeah, this is uh, this this is uh, an experience that uh, it's a show that's very much character driven. I think very much uh, something that I, I you know I I, I just. I, I want to sound like I know what I'm talking about, but it just dawned on me recently what character-driven means, and, it, and it's because of this show. And um, we uh, we had to, we got to do the uh, the first time around. We had the experience with the the what they call the brand ambassador, Robbie Ramos. Uh, he plays George. Um, he did an amazing job guiding us through uh, his side of the story. And when I went now with Raquel, we got to do uh, the, the uh, we got to go with uh, Celia, who is a manicurist, and I found out that I, too, was a manicurist simply by being with her, right? Yeah. yeah. That's what, that's exactly. what happens. So that's if you're with the group, if you're with the marketing, the brand ambassador or marketing reps in the group, and if you're uh, with Celia, you're, you're a manicurist. manicurist. Yeah. So I got to be a manicurist for about an hour and a half. It was pretty cool. <laughs> um, I didn't paint any nails, though. It was all about just the story. But uh, Celia is played by Melissa Almaguer. Uh, Melissa did an amazing job as well. Uh, and I can't say enough about the rest of the cast. It was, the, this, is a, this, is a, uh, uh, this is not a... Uh, a local play by any any stretch of the imagination. This is very professionally done, and um, we were able to sit down with Vanessa and Victoria, as I said earlier, and talk to them. We're going to play that interview uh, s shortly. But I just wanted to, when we went the second time, uh, Racky. I, I call her Racky. Everybody calls her Racky. Uh, Racky. When we went, the, when we went this time, it was my yeah. second time. Your first time there. Um, you, what uh, you, you're you're 21 years old, okay? So here you are, your generation what? Z. Generation guess, Z. Yeah. Okay, you you guys haven't been around long enough for anybody to make fun of you yet. Right. Okay. Thank you. Uh, we, we're still poking fun at millennials, <laughs> but um, but here you are, you're you're 21. This is a story taking place in 1959. Yeah. Tell me what it meant to you. Well, it was the first time that, well, since I was little, um, I was very lucky and am very lucky to have a father like you who, since I've been a kid, has told me our family's history. So all my life I've been hearing the stories of my family, and not just from the Cuban side, from the Chilean side. He, That's right. We got a Chile, right. Chile in the house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cecilia Ruiz in the house. Yeah. So... It was, it was the first time that I wasn't just hearing these stories, that I was living them. So it was very impactful and, yeah. you know, a little overwhelming because I had always heard these stories, but I, you know, I was, it's like you're living it. Yeah, yeah. So, and we don't want to give away too much, but I do want to, you can, I want you to, to kind of share, um, so... The the opening scene mm -hmm. um, is basically a a club in Varadero Beach in right. um, ¿Cómo se llama? Club Nautico. Club Nautico, that's the one. So a club Nautico, and and it's in uh, is that in Cárdenas? Was that in Cárdenas? I believe so. I, th I think it's Cárdenas, right? Baradero, yeah, near yeah. Varadero. So so this is the tourist area, and uh, this is where the Arrechavala family was uh, was from. Um, and uh, what was cool, just to state again, this is immersive theater. You're not going in to see, a, to watch a play f 
from uh, sitting down in a, as an audience, you're in the in the act. So you're the the actors, the dancers, the singers. They're all interacting <coughs> with you. And they're walking around you. You're seeing them do their thing as you look around the room, right? Yeah. So what was that opening scene like in a Club Nautico for you? How weird was that, huh? How cool was that? I th it wasn't weird. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. I thought it was awesome. And I was like, I really wish I could have been here when this was real. Yeah. And actually, you know, be dancing and dressing beautifully. Oh, yeah. No, they were dressed <laughs> to the that nines. Is, that is a nice club. That was a nice club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nothing like what you see in Miami now. Yeah, yeah. But, um, different time. Different. Completely different time. Uh, I just thought it was really cool. Yeah. And... Uh, the first thing you told me was pay attention to each one of the actors because they each have their own story. Yeah, yeah, and and they're all interacting differently and right. showing and you something. As the the play went on, you know, you got to see their stories. Yeah, yeah. Nelo, what did you think of a Club Nautico? Oh, that was fascinating. I feel like Raki, I wish it was. Well, I was alive back then. I just it was too little <laughs> that I don't remember. Uh, but uh, I think one of the important things about this play, and we were discussing that, is that. It is immersive theater. You're not sitting in a chair looking at the actors <coughs> performing. You are part of this. And I right. think that gives it a, even more of a, a personal touch when you're part of this. You're living the stories that your grandparents and your parents told you about. Mm -hmm. And I think that's even even moves you more that you're part of that when you're in there. And it's funny because when you first walk in, you don't, you're not too sure who are the actors and right, who yeah. are who's part of the audience. So it gets a little confusing there in the beginning, but so so fascinating it really yeah. is what um so so when you're when uh, again we, we're not gonna go into details but i do want to ask you yes. when uh, what <coughs> stories that you've heard from the family did you see played out briefly in in mm -hmm. the in the uh, in amparo um one of the main ones was when there's this Okay, I don't want to give you can, too much You can away. talk about a little bit about okay. this Okay, um, where you, they put you in a prison, uh -huh. and there's the the wall where they would line up these men and shoot them dead. Yes. And the execution, where the they execution, were the firing squad, right. right? And that that brought back the story that you had told me of my great grandfathers, who one night had been, you got you know, knock on the door, and they took them away, mm -hmm. and for two weeks. Every day, they did not know whether they were going to live or die. Right. And. And they were hearing. They were uh, hearing executions, executions yeah. of sometimes people that they knew, and how terrifying that that must have been. And um, the but, what shed a little light on that part for me was at the end of the story of my two great grandfathers when they were released, and you can explain this a little more. There was a, a pile of clothing yeah. that the police had told them just get dressed and leave. Yeah, yeah. So basically, the guards <laughs> had, and I only found this out recently because right. my dad told me that uh, that the uh, they they were let go after two weeks, and they were they were f first of all f fortunate to be yes. able to have that because that that wasn't the case for a lot of mm -hmm. the prisoners that were there, and I don't know the stories of what happened while they were there in in La Cabaña. Um, but uh, that Raki actually got to go with you to La Cabaña when we went to Cuba. Yep. And we got to see, um, yeah, and we got to see the the chapel and everything. And um, there was a um, the, the the my grandfather's Raki's gran great grandfather's basically were told to pick some clothes up from a pile of clothes that had been left there. 
from other prisoners. Some of them had died. Some of those prisoners, those are dead men's clothing. And they went in, and my grandfather, I know uh, one of them especially, Tito, uh, had a, a, an interesting uh, <laughs> sense of humor. Uh, he always saw um, kind of like the bright, bright side of side, things. Yeah. Always. Even, you know, he was an amputee later on in life, and he, mm -hmm. he made a joke. He told my brother-in-law, hey, Jose, do me a favor. Uh, get me the toenail clippers and cut my toenails. <laughs> this is right after he was amputated, so that's the kind of guy he was. So um, they put on clothes. They picked out the best suits they could find there. And they put on neckties and picked up some nice shoes. They walked into their town with so much swagger. They, they took the bus in, got dropped off. My grandmothers were, were pulling their hairs out, worried about them. And they just and they cut walked the into the house and just uh, walked in wearing suits and said, hey, look what we got out of it. And they just, they just it, it kind of lightened the mood. Yeah. And, um, you know, you, you look at uh, that, that's so, so that story in, in and of itself in the prison, though, I mean, it, it really shook. It really shakes you, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, it just it just because uh, you're in a you're just since it's immersive theater, you're in you're in a cell. You are the prisoner. You're the prisoner, and you're watching the execution, and uh, it was it was stirring. Um, what uh, what was the other story that you? Uh, really oh, you quick, say one something? more thing yeah. from the prison scene. Mm -hmm. When we were walking out of that scene, there were two older women in front of me. And the soldiers were yelling insults at us, and they were yelling back. That's true. <laughs> like it was real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you get into it. Yes, yeah. yeah. That's they, Even though they remind you when you're going to go in there, these are actors, so on and so forth, and you know, you know in the back of your mind that these are actors. But when you hear them yelling the slogans that your parents told you about, like, con la revolución todo, sin la revolución nada, mm -hmm. it, just, it just strikes a note within you that you, I could feel the rage inside of me when I was, in oh, yeah. there and yeah. it's like I had to keep on reminding myself these are actors these are actors it's yeah. just but it, it really stirs a lot of feelings a lot of emotions and in this case it has to do the Cuban story with the Cuban story where the Cubans lived but if you start thinking about it you know you've got the Vietnamese you've got so many other people that have been thrown out of their countries and have lost everything and so it's really it's the Cuban story but it's a universal story at the same time mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a story yeah. of exile. Of exile, completely. And I mean, and you know, we're we're here. You know, we we've we've been talking for 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 a while now, and you know, we haven't really developed it a lot. But uh, here in, in the podcast, we we're we're the, our subtitle the our subtitle is stories from the exiled South. And when we say that, we're not simply thinking about uh, the Cuban exile community. We're thinking all of the. All of the communities that, th for hundreds of years and during the period of colonialism forward, how they have impacted the South, yep. and and, uh, and 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 kind of fed the South and with with its culture and with its and, and its identity in, in in real ways, and we see it now in you know, for example, in New Orleans with the Vietnamese community there. Right. Uh, they're a thriving community, and man, I love what they're adding to <laughs> to mm -hmm. that city. Oh yeah, you know they're 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 adding a lot of uh, incredible character to that city. And the Cubans did that in in the 1960s, and that was our story. Those sitting around this table, and the fact that Reki, that you're you know again so many generations separated, and you remember that. Uh, what was the other scene? Because you we you mentioned another scene that impacted you. That yeah, it was. There was a scene where. You know the the room goes dark and they play these sound effects like it, like you're on a boat, and the actors all huddle you up together 
and they put your hand on the person in front of you. So basically, you know, we're all on a ship together heading towards, you know, away from, from all this madness and heading towards freedom. And then that reminded me of the story I heard about my family. They came over on a boat called the African Pilot. Mm-hmm. And that's just the first thing that came to mind. And I think that was the moment where I really understood, like, oh, my God, like, this is what, this is what they went through, yep. you know? And, and then in my head, you know, we're, the whole audience, like, we're, we're huddled up together, and in my head, I'm like, my family was together. Yeah. They were yeah. together. Thank God they were together. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was a very overwhelming play. I mean, the first, the first time I got emotional was in the beginning, one of the actors started reciting uh, the poem Guantanamera. Yeah. <clears throat> very famous song that I've heard my entire life. But I, I wanted to cry. I wanted to cry throughout most of it. But I, I held back, and it was weird. Just what I thought of was, you know, this is the story of a specific family, but really it's a story of so many families. And I was like, this is the story of my exactly. family. Uh-huh. And I can't cry because I have to be strong for them. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, so, so we're, you know, when we talk about stories from the exiled South, this is what we're talking about. This is the kind of stuff that we, we want to touch on. Um, there was a famous, uh, uh, well, famous to a lot of us, uh, one of, one of, uh, an author that I've grown to admire, uh, posthumously because I didn't find out about him until he passed away. His name was Harry Cruz, famous Southern writer. And he has a line um, that uh, that he he uses because uh, well, lo- one of his works is autobiographical about his, you know just mm-hmm. growing up in the in the in the dirty South like like, yeah. like backwoods South, mm-hmm. and he says that and he talks about how how he grew up hearing stories and he says stories was everything, and everything was stories and that's a, that's that's one of the, his lines from the, from the book, and and that 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 kind of aspect of the of the of this southern place that that's different from everywhere else in the United States and by the, <laughs> by the south you know it's exactly. just the south in general but then these these other pockets like Miami and Tampa New Orleans and some others that that have the specific identity and um, if you come to Miami and you go see Amparo you'll get a taste of what I'm talking about of the exiled south so anybody have anything else they want to say because I don't want to cut this off I don't want to cut you guys off I just think it's it's an amazing opportunity um I've never experienced anything like that frankly I mean I, I go to theater a lot and everything but because it is our story it just touched me in a way that I had never felt in a, watching a show and it's uh, like I said, I've, you know, I've been there twice. I want to go back a third time. I want to see, because every time you go, you pick a different character and you see their perspective on everything that happened. And that's another bonus to it that is so unique so that I liked so much because I got to see it through the eyes of one character then I got to see it through the eyes of another. Mm-hmm. It's a heck of an experience. I, I, really, um, yeah. I really recommend it highly. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't have gotten the same experience if it was like you know, sitting in a chair and watching an, a play on stage. It, yeah. I definitely would have... It would not have been the same. Yeah. Um, there was another part. Another part that that hit me was there was a character who was frantically burying her jewelry. Oh yeah. Because mm-hmm. you know 
the government was taking everything from these people. Yeah, that was a, that was another scene. That was uh, a Celia scene. I don't know if you guys got to see that. No, I didn't yeah. get to see that. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. She was she was a wealthy woman, mm -hmm. and she was bearing she was bearing her jewelry to hide it because they're going to take it from her, mm -hmm. and um, and she's having us help her bury her jewelry, and then they come and they they bust her, and yeah, wow. it was. It was uh, and you get to hear her side of the story, too. That reminded me of one time, I don't know how, this must have been a few years ago. It wasn't too long ago, though. Um, I remember I noticed that abuelo and abuela don't have wedding bands. Right. And I said, why don't they wear them? And you said, oh, well, when Fidel came into power and when they came to America, they had to leave everything behind, they including their wedding, their wedding bands. bands. Yep. And I was like, that's, they took away their wedding bands. Like, that 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 hurt <laughs> even though the other day somebody uh I, I forgot i just remembered this somebody posted on one of these facebook cuba nostalgic mm -hmm. pages um on a, a, a an actual list that the cuban government had typed up of things that you're allowed to take and and i believe and i think i gotta read it i gotta look it up again i, th I think i think one of them was you're allowed to take your wedding bands and they took their wedding bands when they left wow yeah so yeah it's crazy and and these were not fancy wedding bands either because yeah. again you know not every and i think that was one of the things that amparo tried to show was that it there's a, there's this false narrative uh that that talks that basically says that that when fidel came into power all the rich people left cuba no and the thing is my folks weren't rich neither were, neither mine. were yours no. <laughs> so and, and and i know very few people who i mean if you talk to the average cuban they all owned a farm in cuba right right, <laughs> but, right. <laughs> but that's not and no. everybody came from havana <laughs> yeah you can't believe everything you hear uh but for the most part a lot of uh, everybody i've known the, all their parents and grandparents left because they 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 were just getting away they just had to they they just didn't want to live in that system so um yeah it was and 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 in the story of uh, of this this wealthy woman she she basically says my family worked hard for this yeah why why should i give it up exactly you know and that's again it's uh you know it, it makes you it makes you think whatever whatever side of the so uh political fence you're on or whatever um it it makes it, it's it's a very thoughtful play also uh it's not uh there were a lot of folks there when, when we went this time we saw some folks that were definitely were not Cuban descent, and um, as you'll hear Vanessa talk on 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 the recording, uh, she th there's people coming from all over the country to come see this play, uh, flying down to see it. So we, if you're if you're listening to this and you're planning on coming to Miami or maybe make this a reason for coming to Miami, come see Amparo. The, uh, with that mentioning that, uh, my daughter-in-law who went with me the second time, she's Peruvian, mm -hmm. and um, at one point she, uh, she was sobbing, absolutely sobbing. She was shaking, uh, she was crying so hard. <clears throat> there was a scene where they were separating two sisters. Two of the female soldiers were pulling these two sisters apart, and you know, yes, it is a story about the, the Arechavala family and all this, but it's very uh, a very. Um, a very touching scene, very yeah. emotional scene for anyone that's had to have that kind of experience, and even for people that haven't had to live this, because my, like I said, she, my daughter-in-law is Peruvian, and the fact that she saw these two sisters being torn apart, just, it was so hard for her. Yeah, and she, see, uh, that's what's interesting. We didn't see that. No. Um, oh. But it's multifaceted because right. there's so many different storylines within the story itself. Exactly, which is why I want to go yeah, back and see yeah, it again. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I, I might, I might try to shoot for a third one as well because yeah. uh, maybe you uh, do one of the other storylines. But anyway, uh, without further ado, here is our interview with Vanessa Garcia and Victoria 
Collado. Did I say that right? Yes, I did. Oh, thank <laughs> uh, Vanessa and Victoria, thank you for what you, what you presented, uh, what you gave the Cuban exile community uh, to Miami and to the rest of the cast. I would, you know, I'd go through and say your names, but uh, you know who you are. And um, uh, without further ado, here's the interview. We came to see Amparo, mm-hmm. and that night I met you, but I couldn't talk afterwards. Yeah, uh, I was, I was, it was very moving, and uh, you know, we were, I was, I was able to smoke a cigar outside. I was, I was able That's to do. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so, but thank you for for the play, both of you. It's it's. it's been it's amazing i'm looking forward to seeing it again oh that's yeah. awesome it means everything to hear that yeah, yeah. <laughs> so okay so uh this is uh elec- the elector podcast and we're here with vanessa and victoria mm-hmm. and i want you to say your name is vanessa your last name is vanessa garcia and victoria Goyal. pleasure to meet you both uh thank you for doing this interview now you are the brains behind the amparo experience uh, this is presented by Bacardi, correct? Yeah. Okay. So essentially, you you have the writer and director here, mm-hmm. um, but we always say the brains of this is like this giant collaboration. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it started out uh, with a kernel of an idea by Team Enterprises, which is the marketing company of Havana Club. They contacted me to uh, to do what they thought might be a 20-minute activation or play in a bar. Mm. Very quickly, it moved away from being 20 minutes long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that lasted 20 minutes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and um, so I started doing the research, and then in conversations with Paul Ramirez from Team, um, was asked, are there any people that you want to bring along? And I was like, Victoria, for sure, because I mm-hmm. had worked with her a little bit, and we wanted to work together more. And then she yeah. came on as the director. And then from there, uh, two pilots happened, one in Miami and one in New York. Right. Um, and then now there's this semi-permanent installation in Casamparo right here. <laughs> this place is amazing, yeah. Yes. So so we were, we yeah, so about this uh, this uh, pilot that I was not invited to, uh, <laughs> I heard about it afterwards from friends. And I was like, what? 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 This thing on 8th Street? What are you talking about? It was in Little Havana, right? Yep. Yes, at, at Ball the, and Chain. At the Ball and Chain. That must have been amazing. It was. Yeah. I heard yep. there were a lot of tears, too. Yeah. Totally. Totally. I mean, mm-hmm. that's when we started to know that we had something, and then we tested a bigger market, a different market in New York, right. and then we're pretty sure of it after that. Okay. Now, both of you, uh, so give, so before we get into the, the experience itself, now, you're both from Miami? Mm-hmm. Yes. Born and raised? Born and raised. You Just like start, me. Because yes. talking. <laughs> <laughs> so, your parents are both from? Cuba. From Cuba. Yes. Yeah. Both yes. of us have, have actually very similar yeah. um, backgrounds, a couple years apart but it's pretty much like very similar feels like our parents raised us with the same values yeah because we speak um, like the same language we finish each other's sentences okay yeah Yeah. Um, but your parents (laughs) are both from my parents uh, from La Habana my dad uh, was raised in La Viura Uh and my mom was raised between Bedado and Luyano so you Mm -hmm. have like the classy side and the (laughs) rebatera side yeah (laughs) Yeah. and my mom is from La Habana Bedado and um, my dad was from Sagua La Grande Wow. Okay. So, yeah, similar stories. We're f- oh, also just say for background or for to give context, we have here my cousin Nelda, who's been on the podcast before as well. We have a if you, if you get a chance to listen to that mm-hmm. episode, it's very good. Say hi, Nelda. Hi, Nelda. Yeah. <laughs> so we, our family is from Santiago de las Vegas, Rancho Boyero, uh-huh. that area by the airport, and uh, right, Boyero, right? 
And um, and we um, so so yeah, our experiences are probably uh, the same. We have the same narrative. Mm -hmm. uh, describe to me how that informed the writing of Amparo. Well, um, I mean, I always say that I, I, at some point in my life I realized it was a mission of mine to tell the stories of Cuba, mm -hmm. um, and it's because Cuba has existed in my house forever, mm. probably, I mean, I know, since I was in the womb. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I, this is something that I, that I realized very recently, um, that I only think in Spanish when I'm swimming, <laughs> and I think that's related to the womb. Yeah. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Uh, really, really. But anyway, yeah. um, my, my grandfather was in prison for 15 years as a political prisoner. My, both my parents have very, very um, deep and, and uh, Cuban narratives and mm -hmm. escape stories. And so I feel like when I first uh, started to read about and understand the story of, of Havana Club and Arechavalas, mm -hmm. I felt like it was my story too. Yeah. 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 How about you, Victoria? Well, f for me, I think we actually talk about that a lot, which is like there was these moments in our childhoods. I, I was very clear that I wanted to do something about Cuba. I know that for me, it was like, I need to make a movie about Cuba. And then Magic City came out. And I was like, no! Um, not thinking that there could be more than one movie about Cuba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think that, you know, the way I was raised, I was raised in, a, I went to Jose Mati school. Yeah. Not the high school in Hialeah, but like the little school that used right. to be like Los Veovides were, were educators in Cuba and then they came here and then my high school was in Brito Miami Private School which was a school in Cuba that then went to Venezuela and then came here wow. and those particular schools were very good at just making sure that our culture was ingrained and then going home I lived with my grandparents my aunt my two dogs my mom mm -hmm. my dad and it, it was tremendo revolu yeah. in there and so it, it, it felt like I was like they made a little Cuba mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. um, and then growing up in Miami you go and ask for cafecito and it, it's that relationship and you don't recognize how special that is until you leave yeah and we've both had opportunities to like live outside of Miami and and now recently for me I've, I've, I'm craving it more mm. um, before I was like rushing out I was like I need to go explore other things <laughs> <laughs> and so this Amparo has actually opened up this need to connect again even more with my culture and and to feel that mission that Vanessa talks about of making sure that our story and and that our generation knows our story so that we can see what the future of Cuba will be what the future of our generation of our culture mm -hmm. so that it doesn't get lost I don't want my children as I know that Vanessa yeah. doesn't want Taika to, to to not be connected mm -hmm. to those yeah. roots yeah yeah so for us our, our like Ceci is from Chile and and it's our this is our Chalubin daughter <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and we have, but we've, we were the same way. It's like a, what, what, and, and I think because of the place where we live, mm -hmm. Miami, the Cuban culture is, is predominant. So, mm -hmm. it, 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 yeah. you know, we come to plays like Amparo. You don't have plays about, you know, Pinochet right. you know, happening in, not in, yet. Uh, not yet not in yet. Miami. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, so it's a, there's a close tie to, and, and, to Cuba and it's important for us to pass it on and yeah. this is an incredible vehicle to do so but what's the audience that you've been getting to uh, to come here to actually first before we go there why don't we talk about what Amparo is and then sure. we're going to talk about the audience yeah so tell us what um, tell us about Amparo Amparo is uh, it's an immersive experiential piece of theater which uh, at times feels
feels like a party, and then you realize you're in a prison cell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, which is sort of like Cuba, right? Um, in so many ways. But uh, <laughs> the idea was that we wanted to um, really, really just have people experience the story mm-hmm. instead of just hear it again and again, because this is something that Vicky always says. Um, it's easy to say, I had everything and then I lost everything. I had to leave everything behind. I left my home. I lost my home. It's easy to say those things, but what to feeling them is different and Mm -hmm. we did want to have other generations feel what it might have been like to go through that and it's been amazing to watch families come for the parents in this room where we're sitting right now where where cubans are packing up and escaping at one moment because they've been told they're going to take over the factory they, they basically get a tip to leave um and you watch families say oh, this is exactly how it happened this is how it happened to me and you hear them whispering mm-hmm. that to their kids that are with them and i you know like we know this play really well but i come and i cry because of the reactions yeah. of the people right. in the audience yeah. and they are part of telling the story yeah yeah. yeah, I think that that's where uh, what gives. There's been multiple plays about Cuba and Miami. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, we can mm-hmm. list them, we can talk about them, and I think that what this does, it's it's beyond just the play. It's the it's that it can't happen unless the audience is there. Yeah, it can't happen, and. One is for, it's, I mean, I'm kind of repeating what Vanessa says, but it's like, one, the redemption for the generation that went through it. Yes. Because yeah. a lot of our generation or people from outside of here are constantly saying, mm-hmm. oh, los viejos locos. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, you're just, just get over it. Just yeah. get over it. Just get over it. But just taking a moment to understand that, that it is so hard. I cannot even imagine mm-hmm. what, like, we, we get close to it but we don't actually know what it's like to feel like hey this is everything i have and all of a sudden i have to leave and my world has flipped around yeah and And so yeah and i think what the way that you've done this that it's interactive Mm -hmm. it just hits that much closer because it's one thing as an audience member to be sitting there and watching it and it, it would be hard just to watch it However, I found myself when I was walking through and I'd hear some of the actors mm-hmm. saying the slogans, you know, uh, um, Patria Muerte, Patria Muerte yeah. o Con la Revolución Todo, yeah. Sin la Revolución Nada. I could feel the anger rising and I had to remind myself, whoa, 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 these are actors, slow yeah. down here because it's it's a very heart-tugging. It's just yeah. You don't know how many times we hear that That's, expression. This yeah. is just, just a play. play. This is just yes. a play. Exactly. People saying that to themselves, mm-hmm. you hear that and you're like, wow. Okay. And that's when we realize, yeah. like, holy moly, yeah. we have so something here um, or we're tapping into something it's special but we're tapping into to a truth where people have to remind themselves that this is not real mm-hmm. this is yes. not happening right now mm-hmm. and and it's a huge responsibility yeah um, and and we t- yeah. we do not take that lightly we we're constantly conscious and and just hoping that it heals and there's people from Venezuela coming Oof. and that are talking about this is happening to us right now mm. and we don't and know Nicaragua. what's going to happen you know wow. they yeah yeah. Actually, our producer's <laughs> wife is from Nicaragua, and he was worried about his crazy Cuban family, entre comillas, you know, yeah. like, and and the ones that got very, very um, upset were were her family, the Nicaraguans, because they were just like, when is this going to stop happening? And when is this, you know, they remembered um, militia breaking into their house, yeah. you know, yeah. and yeah. It's so just, it's just so, yeah. We we hope that you know, especially for the Venezuelan people, and and, and for 
countries that are going through something similar that this that it doesn't happen what happened in Cuba which was it wasn't a time of social media it wasn't a time mm-hmm. it was a time of controlled media yeah. and who told the story <coughs> first is who controlled history mm-hmm. yeah. exactly. and so we're hoping that it's what Vanessa says like peeling back and getting to the roots of what the story is that maybe the mistake doesn't get repeated mm-hmm. and that people are more aware of the truth so that they're not wearing particular shirts of Che Guevara and there's not that danger of that single story of that one story that gets told over and over again the whole idea is you've been hearing this one story here's another side of the story mm-hmm. now it's in your hands which is the last you know one of the last lines here's the story what are you going to do with it you know right, it's, a, right. it's, it's yours now <laughs> and, and that's yeah. the, the perk which is like you get to find it. We it's five entry points to make it easy but within those five entry points there's a bunch of different storylines that you can follow yeah. and so the perspective is not one it is multiple perspectives and you have your revolutionary side and you can see why a revolution started yeah it doesn't come out of thin air it wasn't Mm -hmm. like you know what i feel like doing today is starting a revolution no it comes from an anger brewing it comes from a need that people actually had Mm -hmm. and to watch why that need wasn't fed actually teaches us Mm -hmm. or you know for me it's like i i'm much more aware of like what needs aren't being met that could lead to to things to go into revolt right 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 yeah there was um it's uh, the when I when I was here uh, and we did the uh, I forgot which one we did oh the, uh, the 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 marketing guy or the uh, the brand ambassador yeah he did a great job yeah he's um, and I remember walking in and there was a there was a, a group of I think there were like twenty somethings, right? That came in with us, yes. and they were kind of rambunctious, and they were having. Oh, by the way, the beverages at the beginning of this <laughs> yeah. thing are insane. We should, we should <laughs> probably God. say that all the ice crushing you hear in the background right now yeah. is that they're getting ready for the show. I mean, I had some. Yeah, I I did the flight. Like I must admit, of all the drinks. That yeah. Had, yeah. But um, anyway, so but the you know everybody was kind of loose, and they were kind of you know they're having fun with it, and and then it got to a point where that I was watching this car because I was kind of I was a little little bothered but mm-hmm. not by much but because they, they started to calm down yeah and they they started to everything kind of came into perspective mm-hmm. and they just and there was just like this moment where everybody and everybody was somber and my yeah. my you know just very cued into what was happening and present in the moment you could feel it the heaviness, powerful yeah. yeah the heaviness coming in mm-hmm. but another thing I've, I've realized that Yes, the Amparo experience is very much about the Cuban story, but it's also a very universal story mm-hmm. because you are talking about the experience with Venezuela, yeah. uh, Vietnamese that yes. have yes. come yes. to show and yes. have made those comments. There was yes. someone there uh, the night that we were here, and they were telling me, you know, my parents lived out in Vietnam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is a Cuban experience, but with a very much universal message. Yep. So many people have gone through things like that, and that's why I mean that's partially why this place is called Amparo because it's it's a story of refuge, exactly. of of refugees around the world that are going through this. I mean, you can be Syrian or you can be Vietnamese, and it's happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so when you have these uh, folks coming in, you have uh, like I like I I wanted to bring the first thing I thought was oh I got to bring my dad to this. Mm-hmm. He's in his seventies. My mom um, and I, and then I got to a point where I was like no I can't bring him here. It's too much. Uh, what are the generations that you're seeing of Cubans that are coming in here? All so of them. All, yeah. every single one. I mean, yesterday we had at least three. Uh, 
at least three people that were close to 90. I mean, yeah. I, I, yeah. Those are the strongest. I, they, yeah. All the families underestimate them, and everybody knows their own family. So we cannot advocate, like, bring them no matter what, because it, that's dangerous to say you are the ones who know your families. But when people have, and I can speak for myself, for example, that my 84-year-old grandmother came to the show, they are the strongest. They, they sometimes feel overwhelmed by it and very angry, but at the end... They are so I, I happy is not the word. It's like grateful to see see themselves to see the story. Just it's it's so it, it it's important for all of the generations to see it because yeah. we have had people that are 90 years old and we have had people that are 21 because that's the youngest age that is allowed in. Yeah. What about like uh, we we talk about just to I don't know how much our audience would would understand what we're talking about, but you know the newer Cubans, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, the, uh-huh. the 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 ones that came later. Yeah, I've I've spoken to some. I have friends, a lot of friends that came from Cuba, and they don't even know that this is going on. Mm-hmm. And they're just not tuned into it. And then when you tell them, they're kind of oh okay, but they but it wasn't their narrative because mm-hmm. they were there. They grew up after the revolution, way after. Mm-hmm. And when you talk to them, I've been to Cuba and, uh, and talking to them here, people are like, yeah, we are, they always say the same thing. Yeah, it's, we really feel for that early generation, mm-hmm. the ones that went through it, they went through it bad. But that's all they'll, they'll say. They have no perspective well, of it. Well, but you'd be surprised. I mean, we have actors that we have every... The wonderful thing about the Cuban is that you can tell when they came just by... Yeah, I yeah. mean, you can mark the time by the Cuban. I think we have every single wave, wave. of Cuban migration in the cast. We have Marielitos, we yeah. have people that came three years ago we have people that came in the 90s like we have all the waves and what's really surprising is how connected they still feel by mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. Do you I think, think the, the play had a lot has a lot to do with it? Well, I think the process of working together and sharing their stories among themselves, all of a sudden they realize we are all Cuban. We all have the same story. We're telling it from different point of views. Wait, this is Amparo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, um, one of our actors, uh, Hector Medina, he, when we first did the pilot in New York, he wrote this beautiful thing. And he says, Encontré una Cuba que nunca, eh, que no había descubierto. Wow. O otra, otra parte de Cuba que nunca había descubierto. And it was like so like for me as a Cuban American who's constantly been like I'm not Cuban enough for the Cubans I'm not American enough yeah, for the yeah. Americans that that whole little back and forth that mm-hmm. we've been playing mm-hmm. for some while now one it was an acknowledgement of like you do exist and yeah. you can call yourself Cuban because nobody can say we're not Cuban mm, exactly no, somebody wrote that. Yeah, yeah, that, was, that was perfect, perfect. but it's true yeah. no one can tell us we're not Cuban yeah. and so and but watching that sort of two generations like raised completely in opposite ends of the spectrum and yet that complete connectivity proved to me that there is a future for the entire Cuba the one that spreads within the island and then wherever a Cuban is yeah in the diaspora yes it's it's beautiful it's Mm -hmm. beautiful that a Cuban brings Cuba with them and one of the amazing things that happens even just like on this like cellular level of the cast is that Vicky would always say this is really interesting to see that the Cubans from Cuba always speak lower and sort of like in undertones in a different way than the American Cubans who are like up here and she had to find a way to sort of be like okay well you need to be here and you need you know but that dynamic of where where they're coming from 
I just like that was one of the things that when you were talking about that, it always stays in my brain. And after that, I just watched them do it, and I was like, wow, it's real. That's it's real because, and yeah. I think that it's how we're we're trained, yeah, right? Absolutely. Like we're trained. Yeah. The the Cubans born in the states or beyond, we're trained that you say something and change can happen. Yeah. Speak your mind. Speak your mind and you can change it. You <laughs> yeah. want that trash can? Yeah. They'll bring you that trash yeah, yeah. can. You call the city of Miami. <laughs> you let them know. And that's not true. And yeah. that was actually a big culture clash for, for the Cuban Americans who were like, you know, whenever we would go into improv mode, they would be like, no. And I'm like, you think you're going to stop a gun by saying no? Yeah, yeah, Is that yeah. going to happen? <laughs> what are you yeah. talking about? Yeah. Um, but it's interesting, yeah. Yeah, so you find that like the... the uh, the 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 newer generations of Cubans that that lived under the revolution mm-hmm. the, that were born and raised under it they're they're more soft spoken is that what you're saying well no it was like for example there was this one scene there's this one scene that happens at towards the end of the play where there needs to be a rising up against and they, yeah and it was very uh, against the militia specifically yeah. and against and it was very hard yeah like and I remember yeah. going to Cuba re- recently and there was a a woman that I that I met and she was like um, gracias a, and she stopped herself, and it yeah. was this, adi- and then she said adios, sí, adios, lo voy a, and but that, I, I couldn't say it for so many years, and now I can kind of say, it, and nothing's gonna happen to me if I say it in this little to mm-hmm. you, and that battle that that lives inside, yeah, especially yeah. when a part of the world is open, mm-hmm. that it becomes, oh wait, I can actually say something, but can I? <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Always looking over your shoulders, yes. and I, yeah. I was, yeah. That's how I've I felt when I've gone over there. Yeah. And people here, even you, when you were in Miami. Yeah. Interestingly, and we we talk about this on the podcast before. It's even in Miami, you you grew up here mm-hmm. looking over your shoulder because you were always like yeah. on the other side. Like, wait a minute, I gotta be careful what I say. Yeah. Even because people are gonna think I'm a comunista, or, yeah. or, or maybe we are, you know, there's too many people that know each other here, yeah. and it's a small community, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, kind of creepy. It's well, it's creepy how how our minds have of completely been wired, no matter where yeah. you are, mm-hmm. to always be like on alert. And to your point about not letting these things happen again, I remember going to Chile with with, with Ceci and and her her aunts were also are also that way. Mm-hmm. They're very even to this day. You talk to them, and if you mention, for example, Pinochet, mm-hmm. they'll they'll they 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 talk in hushed tone yeah. because they went so through a period. Of, and I I think this is again, you know, you look at Amparo, and and you say at this this beautiful production and you see something uh, kind of like a clarion call mm-hmm. to other people hello you know please don't don't fall into this again it's an it's an amazing reminder yeah of i, I mean uh, the 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 scene uh, where where the like you said where you're brought into a jail cell mm-hmm. um and then you see the firing squad mm-hmm. uh, that's that was something very powerful uh i i, I and i heard i heard that some people have have really had a hard time with that scene. Yeah, yeah. it's both. Yeah, I we've had. It's interesting because very few, very few people have had to leave. Yeah, I think I can probably count them. Very, I thought and it's not because it's gory or anything. No, no it's, it's not. It's nothing. It's just that it, it hits. Yeah. and it's amazing who leaves. Yeah, like it's. I mean, I've seen, but I, I'm amazed at who stays. Yeah. Yes, that's even more mm-hmm. surprising. That's where I've seen. Un tronco de mujer, like I'm talking about, like she is like well, well into her age, and her daughter was crumbling, and she was firm, mm. 
and she was watching and she walks out of that jail cell and she's like como nos robaron a Cuba wow. and she went into the thing and then she you know she had the rest of her experience but it's this sort of like I can't even imagine what it's like to like these flashes back again yeah. there have been people that were I've been in that cell with people who have been imprisoned in Cuba mm. and so sitting next to someone like that you all of a sudden start to think what can be going through their body and mind right now and yeah. they're here so this has to mean something to them because why would you know you're putting yourself through it again in order to get out of it yeah you know and the the, the faces shift yeah you can tell yeah you can tell who's who's like they just go and the and the yeah. same thing happens when when people are exiting the country through the airport that you can see the and here we go and there's like this like preparation yeah. mm. of like you can tell who's gone through this and who hasn't yeah, yeah. like you see the younger people like <laughs> what's happening yeah. and you see the people that went through this just going Voom! yeah and so mm. it's this it's very it's very it gets chills yeah. and they know the story and they know the history and they know all of the parts of it and so it's very interesting to actually have the call and response happened you weren't here the other day when someone so there's a moment where someone is is killed uh -huh. yeah. and um before it happened an audience member said viva like cristo, cristo rey. rey yes well and like the that an audience member said wow. it we have it as part of the you script, have it as part of the script later yeah. yeah but we know when that comes yeah and someone said it when they walked into the paredon isn't that amazing wow. yeah that and Again, that room, that room is special because it was a long time. That room, it had been a long time since I had heard someone say "Viva Cuba Libre." Yes, and, and right when right. they, right when they said it, it happened, and you feel like it's like from the gut. They're like yeah. "Viva Cuba Libre," and they're yeah. yelling it, and you're like, "Wow, I haven't heard that in a mm -hmm. while. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I haven't heard that in a long time." Yeah, this is, and that's another thing. This is such a, a reminder of because we forget. Yeah. These, you know, just generationally, we we forget ourselves, and we say, you know, when I came, I was like, I was like, it was such a blessing to me to be able to be part of it because it it brought up all these memories of every conversation I ever had with my parents, my mm. uncles, my aunts, and everybody, yeah. my grandparents, and you know, again, goosebumps as well because mm -hmm. you're you you almost feel like a, a soul warmth, mm -hmm. you know, while you're while you're there, just like you're like you're you're surrounded. Yeah, uh, the scene. Um, with the uh, the rocking back and forth, the ocean the scene, mm -hmm. the raft that was that you know that where everybody's together rocking it. I don't know. It was just, it's very it's surreal. Mm -hmm. Every, the whole thing is mm -hmm. just I've never seen anything like it. It's yeah. surprising. Except Mo Miami Motel story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's very it's very surprising when you see that people actually give themselves over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's it's such at first it was always like are they gonna do it yeah. and then you watch them do it and you're like wow okay it's yeah, there's a reverence always, always, yeah. there's a reverence it's that a you community. created it's, yeah I don't know what the future holds um, but I know that something that's become clear to me um, with Amparo is that our generation holds a very strong responsibility mm -hmm. to make sure that the store it's not to like keep dándonos latigazo yeah. no, but it's it's about but just like know where we come from and not to let it we do have a responsibility yeah and our 
grandparents and our parents are getting older and it's up to us to make sure that that gets clear and that we're clear on that. And that <laughs> we will take this anywhere that's willing to listen. Yeah. Speaking of what the future holds, this is a question I've been uh, wanting to ask you. Okay, this is up to 21. I have uh, a six-year-old and 11-year-old granddaughter. Is there any possibility that maybe in the future you can we're hoping. We're hoping. So they will know about their history. Yes. That's, got a, a we've been hoping, we hope, mm -hmm. we, there's a lot of people who've actually been, who've yeah. actually said, like, we want our children yes. to come see this. Schools. Schools. Yes. And we're ready. We, we just need approval. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the logistics behind that, obviously. Um, but this is, we're ready to go whenever yeah. it's time. Yeah, I think that would be incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, yeah. you just got to get rid of the bar. That's why. Yeah, that's <laughs> really what it is. And a couple of words here. And a couple of words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it, but it's important. You have to know, you have to know where you come from. Yeah. Yes. That's so important. And it's very interesting because that will be a process of discovery rather than uncovering. And that's just as interesting to watch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for someone to really just like actually experience this, like what's happening yeah, right now, literally, and really yeah. go through that, and yeah. then at the end be like, "This is what Grandma went through." Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 See, my background. My dad was at the Bay of Pigs, and when, as far as I can remember, uh, I grew up to meetings, uh, falling asleep on my mother's lap, and you know, "Viva Cuba Libre, vamos a regresar a liberar a Cuba," and yeah. on and on, and that's I could remember falling asleep to that, mm -hmm. and now you know, then with my son, who's 35 years old, I would be telling him stories about you know, his grandfather taking him to the Brigade Museum, yeah. all this, and I'm seeing now with my granddaughters, it's it's a little harder to get the message through to them. Yeah. They don't they don't quite capture as much as like I'm losing right. yeah. this, the narrative that I'm trying to pass down to them. So something like that would be a, yes. an amazing opportunity for them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. Uh, I mean, it's inevitable as generations. Yeah. You know, even the language mm -hmm. kind of yes. leaves. You know, they lose the Spanish, and it yeah. becomes more. E it becomes easier to speak English. Uh, but, but I, th I do believe that I do agree that this is a great. Uh, I mean, for the kids, it'd be mm -hmm. fantastic. My, I don't know how my son. We have a ten-year-old too, mm -hmm. um, and it'd be great to to see his his yeah. uh, you know reaction to it and just kind of kind of gauge what that looks like. Like, are they even interested? Do they yeah. Because we, we share our stories with them, but, yeah. you know, it's they uh, fade as time goes I by. I will say that one of the most moving, many moving things happen, <laughs> but, like, you know, I wrote a short play for, for kids that went on tour, and it was about a rafter, a girl, mm. and it was called Freak, and she grew these... Um, these dolphin feet to grip to the ground when she landed and her mother had vertigo and this whole thing and she was being bullied um and the kids would go crazy and stand up and like scream out like oh my god that's you know like they couldn't believe that they were seeing a rafter and that they heard like this was their friend and this is how yeah. he had and it was it was crazy i got so many emails I just didn't know like that. I was like, I don't know if this is gonna play. First yeah. of all, it was in Spanglish. <laughs> <laughs> um, they made they they tested it in front of people that only spoke English yeah. because they weren't sure they could take it. They took it on tour and it was it was literally the play that they that people would stand up for oh. because of that because you don't realize that they want they want to. They are, some of them are living the story and we don't even know wow. that yeah. it's just not our you know like we're the generation from that wave yeah. from the older wave but there's other 
generations of Cubans that are that are here and young and kids, you know, and those kids have friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's also like things that they're going through that we'll never understand. I think yeah. about my little niece in Cuba and how she's understanding now, like, you know, now that everything's changing, yeah. like now she understands. Like, I, I always say I taught her distance and I didn't mean to. Yeah. Uh. And so that's sort of like, well, the questions are starting to ask. Like, she starts asking my aunt, like, is when's coming Vicky back? coming back? When is it happening? And then how that world, like her world, I will never understand her world. Yeah. I will never understand what she's actually going through. And they carry these stories mm -hmm. that will evolve. Yeah. And that will affect it. And, and she will one day start talking to people yeah. and she will share her story. And those stories will grow. And, and you'd be amazed at how children know more than us sometimes yeah yes. definitely yeah. Sure. so how, how much longer does the show run right now as of right so now right <laughs> now we have the, this is the second extension through july 28th mm -hmm. um we're totally sold out of that one it's sold out in 48 Holy hours cow. That's incredible. That's yeah. nuts. The response, and it's not just Cubans and Cuban Americans. You're getting no. all kinds of people that are coming. We're getting people out of state, wow. which is crazy. Wow. I, people that are coming to Miami to, yeah, to watch to see it. the show. Um, which our Instagrams Miami. are being <laughs> bombarded. bombarded by people that we don't know in other cities, and I think that that's really are these like Cubans them. coming from other states as well, like from New Jersey, Some of them, yeah. Pennsylvania. Yeah. I've gotten to Pennsylvania, Maine. New York, New yes. Jersey. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> there was one strange one, but it was because he was working there, and his. God, what was it? Oh, it wasn't strange. California. <laughs> <laughs> it was far. It was, it was, it was far. <laughs> but we have people. We have people who are coming. They're like, "Are you gonna be there around this time? Because I need to make sure." Yeah. Like I have, I have friends who are not Cuban who are like, "Can you please like just make sure that it's there when August? Because I'm going on vacation and yeah, I yeah. need to make sure yeah. that Am I." I it, the, and then people believe they're like please it's gonna be extended so can you reserve a ticket for August 23rd and we're like mm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work that way okay, we have to figure that out first <laughs> yeah that's hilarious yeah I can see a few extensions coming down uh, it's gonna we be we hope so yeah. we hope so yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> we're proud of it and, and, and we're honored and grateful and are you surprised though are you surprised at the uh, at the reaction you've had Yes and no. Yeah, I feel the same way. Like, there's no way that you could imagine specifically what would happen, but I think there was a moment that this felt bigger than us. Yeah. And there was an understanding of that, and magical things have happened really, really, really from the beginning. Um, wow. And so it really feels like there's more to do here. Yeah. 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 And I, I just, I didn't expect, like, when, I, when they said, it's been sold out in 48 hours. See, like that? That's nuts. I was like, what? Yeah. What yeah. do you mean? Like, <laughs> the price height. I thought that was going to slow things down. Yeah. And every, like, that to me threw me off. And all I could say was, thank you, thank you, thank you, yeah, thank, yeah, you, yeah, thank, yeah. You, thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you, thank yeah. you. Because it's, it's, it's what we've been feeling since we were little. It's like, yeah. this story needs to be told. Yeah. And people, it's not, Cubans know the story, but... Americans need to come and understand why we're quote unquote crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> why we'll get yeah. mad at when you say something silly. Yeah. I love that you said this. So one of the guys that does a podcast with us, we're two guys from Chicago or, or uh -huh. in, in Indiana, uh, and a Bolivian Cuban and me. Oh, really? And uh, and we uh, and the, one of the one of, Matt, one of the guys from Indiana, uh, he's like he's always like, I hate it when you say 
you referred to us as Americans and mm-hmm. like you guys are not American <laughs> and, I, and I go you, you don't understand like you just said yeah. you want America to say we're American right yeah. But, yeah. but that's the whole thing of the yes. exiled south thing it's like yeah we're it's different yeah we are we are we we love that we're American but yeah. we have this other side yep and it's and it's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> and it beats hard, man. That Cuban side. Oh my god! Not, yeah. I remember when I went to college, and, I went, and people would say, "Where are you from?" I was like, "I'm Cuban. Cuban." When did you get here? No, no, I was no, born I was here. Born well, here, you're yeah. American. <laughs> no, my mom says the story. Well, she told you the story that she, I used to get mad when I was little that they were like, you're, "Vicky, you're American," and I'm like, "No," and I would get visibly angry. Yeah. That the only time I would like calm down is if they said Cuban American, and then. Yeah. But it's this side of you that I mean, I'm. So so proud of being Cuban. Yeah. Like yeah. it just feels so good. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and like how is how everybody should feel. Like yeah. I hope Venezuelans feel like yeah, I'm from yeah. Venezuela. Like yes. that's how exactly. it should yeah, feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a, a, a state of limbo that you live in because all my life I grew up here and here I'm Cuban. Yeah. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I am Cuban. Yeah. I was born in Cuba. Yeah, I came when I was two years old, but I'm Cuban. Went back to Cuba in 1999. Mm. Because I came before 65, I could go with my American passport. So I walk into the airport and they tell me, they look at my passport and they ask me, you know, when did you leave? I said, no, I was two years old. I'm not Americana. Americana. It was like somebody had just slapped me across the face. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm Cuban. I was born here. I'm Cuban in Miami. And all of a sudden over there, no, I'm Americana. Well, strange experience. That and then the inverse also, because it's like the removal thing. But then when they give you the tag, I remember this is so funny. It's so silly. But we went to a store when I went to Cuba. There's, we went to a store and, you know, it was like tour guides that were Cuban and then um, like Cuban-American women and so we all walk in there and I go and I purchase the thing and, and the, the guy goes no, 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 tú, tú tienes descuento and I'm like, ¿por qué? porque tú eres cubana and I'm yeah. like, uh-huh, thank you so much <laughs> yes, I am I will take thank this you. very expensive thing that only Americans can pay for yeah. thank you like I was I was so proud of it and I was like, here's your here's your, your discount card I was like, oh, look yeah, at yeah. me but it's, it's so funny how, how that label matters so much. Yeah. And it, you don't realize it until it, somebody throws it in your face mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you're like, what? Oh, yeah. Are you Americana? No, yo soy Cubana. But then there's a whole other country called Miami. Because <laughs> they do that too. Yeah. Yes. Where they're like, um, you know, I, I remember, that just remember me paying for cigars. And I said something like, bueno, okay. Uh, bueno, okay, eso de Miami. <laughs> <laughs> well, Victoria and Vanessa, thank you so much for thank you. doing this, uh, taking time out of your, out of the day. The, you're, you guys are about to open now, right? Yes, yeah. Okay. And thanks for letting us do it here at this place. Yeah.